0: Crazy. Everything's awful. Yeah, everything. You know what I forgot to bring up these last few weeks? Because, I mean, it hurt. But. Each series against the White Sox so far has been brutal. It's been White Sox winning 3-1 every time. Still got the
1: whole season, oh man. Well, about half. It's all-star break right That's now. That's what man. I mean, though. Like, yeah. No real baseball I mean, yeah. has started yet. Mm-hmm. Let's go start ramping up. We got a game today. Little Herschel has a game today. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not Little Herschel. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's because <laughs> you didn't name him
0: Herschel Junior, which is no. good
1: because you think it a bad idea.
0: Well, if you listen to the podcast called Crime and Sports, mm-hmm. it's one of their core rules: you never name your kid Junior if you're an athlete because they always turn out to be a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Like everybody they cover is a Junior. I uh,
1: think you. I think they probably feel entitled. I think so, too. I think so, too. A little chip on their shoulder. Yeah.
0: Mm.
1: Something to prove to the world. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's only one Herschel, dude. There's only one Herschel. Yeah. Besides Herschel Walker. Yeah. There's only one Herschel (laughs) Spence. There's a lot of Herschels out there. Eh. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Like, the most famous one is Old Boy from Walking Dead. You think that's the most famous Herschel out of
0: Herschel Walker? The most. No, the most recently famous. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's about it. I think so. Season two, Walking Dead, even that's fucking. There's not a lot of people you go around
1: away. life saying, definitely Herschel, bro. It's not a mm-mm, lot.
0: Mm-mm. And I always thought it was a black name, but when nah. that dude was on there, I was like, that's pretty Really? Black you name. thought yeah. that was
1: a. Well, oh, it, well, that's the guy, Krusty the Clown. Mm. That's his name. Mm. Herschel Kostolsky. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good. So is that. I want So Herschel was Jewish, or was that. Oh, you know what? I meant it might be Herschel. <laughs> Hey, Heschel, That's how Amish. <laughs> hey, Heschel. You ever been to like an Amish area before? Yeah. I know Who, you have because you're from uh,
0: Illinois. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, I didn't know that that it's like blooming out there or something. Well, they're kind of thick, but not where not right. in Chicago. But I will say this. When I was in eighth grade, we mm. went to a place called Amish Acres. But yeah. Mm-hmm. The check it was fire. I'm not going to oh, lie. Oh, I bet it was. <laughs> and everything, everything was fire. I bet know, it was. It was ladybugs coming out the cornbread, but hey. It's ladybugs. Eat around them. I, I, I think I ate the whole... <laughs> Get that out of here. <laughs> it's... it's just a little extra yeah. protein.
0: <laughs> you can't be hating.
1: Right. I'm not. That shit was fire, though, bro. The Amish know how to do their thing with the cooking. I mean, what else are you going to do? They don't got That's nothing. It. They're like, shit, I'm bored. I better yeah. make
0: bread and yep. uh, rip, and put up a barn.
1: Yep. And perfect it. Well, shit, everybody.
0: Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Bumblebutt <laughs> Podcast. Sex today we're going back in time Mm, how far we're going to the 40s (laughs) yeah but it begins in the zeros no it doesn't it begins (laughs) probably in the 20s maybe Mm -hmm. no it begins in the zeros (laughs) okay and we'll get into all of it uh Mm -hmm. right now
1: we're going back in time
0: my name is adam abel that's herschel H-bomb. Now we can go back in time.
1: <laughs> We're going back in time. dude. <laughs> Part three, <isn't> it?
0: <laughs> John George Hay was born in Yorkshire, England on hmm. July 24th, 1909. Right off the bat, I do want to say there's no history of mental illness in the Hay family. Mm-hmm. But again, it was 1909, Mm. so it's not like they knew much. Nobody had a mental... (laughs) Exactly. They were possessed by demons or Mm. something. John's mother, Emily, did claim to experience intense anxiety for the last three months of her pregnancy. She was 40, and he was their first and only baby. Mm. A little miracle. Mm. John's father, John Robert Hay, was suddenly fired from his job as a foreman in electrical works just months before John George's birth. Luckily he quickly found another job, but the family was briefly in dire straits and forced to borrow money from friends, yeah, which yeah. they considered extremely shameful. Yeah, Herschel, I've borrowed money from you. You've borrowed money from me. <sighs> yeah. I'm I'm never ashamed. Not me neither, bro.
1: I mean, not ashamed to borrow it, but a like damn, why am I even in this in this position to have to do this? But yeah. yeah. The actual act. Yeah. No. Like uh I need to get through. Yeah. Shit, so. is shit is shit shit, bro. Mm-hmm. Especially nowadays, it. bro, like shit's going up.
0: John Roberts' new job took the family to the town mm-hmm. of Outwood, where John mm-hmm. George would spend the next 24 years of his life. Mm. He would later claim that his childhood was monk-like and devoid of all the cheer and joy found in normal kids. I
1: would say back then, everybody was probably monk-lives.
0: Yeah, I would think so. I believe him. It, World War I's about to happen at this time when oh, he's so, a boy. So it's oh, like, so it's about to be more fucked up. Britain has no money already. And now mm-hmm. they're going to lose all their men and mm. that's going to suck for them.
1: And that's partly, do you think that's due to why they, they went broke so quick at the dude lost his job? Oh uh, no yeah. Pops, yeah. Mean. Yeah, I do. Because, like, dude, he just lost his job and then got another one. We were in a bit
0: of a depression globally Mm -hmm. at around that time.
1: Mm -hmm. That sucks,
0: bro. John George's parents, Emily and John, belonged to an extremely religious sect known as the Peculiar People or the Plymouth Brethren. They were immensely purist and anti-clerical. Young John George was told only Bible stories as entertainment and was forbidden from any other kinds, including playing sports.
1: No, that sucks.
0: Well, that was just fine for little John George. He had a lifelong, intense hatred of dirt. He would even wear gloves into adulthood to avoid getting his hands dirty.
1: Are you serious?
0: Nope. I mean, yes. (laughs) I thought you said, are you joking? (laughs) As a kid, all I wanted to do
1: was like kind of playing dirt. Yeah, I want to get a little dirt. Yeah, like mud
0: and shit. Dig up a couple worms.
1: Yeah, come on, man. Like, you ain't want to get your head out. It's whatever, I, I, I guess. But this just adds to it. He's a bitch. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with not playing with dirt people. No, it's fine. Yeah. His dad warned young John George not
0: to do anything to grieve the Lord constantly. The world was full of evil and the family needed to separate themselves from it and only rely on each other. John Robert even built an enormous fence around the property and garden to keep the neighbor's eyes off of them. Mm. John Robert had a weird blue spot on his forehead that he told his son was the devil's mark. John Sr. explained that he'd been marked because he'd sinned and he urged Junior not to do the same. The reason his mother didn't have a matching mark was because she was an angel. And Hmm. thereafter, Hay regarded mother figures on that pedestal, which is an incredibly high standard to live up to. Yeah, yeah, it is. Hay found himself remarkable. He was the son of a sinner and an actual angel. John George built up a hell of an anxiety over doing anything that would leave him marked and show him to be a sinner.
1: Damn, that sucks.
0: He began obsessing, vigilantly... Vigilantly checking every face he came across for a devil's mark, and he stayed awake most nights worried one was growing on his head. It didn't take long for him to realize that small infractions weren't enough to get him marked. So he started lying and pulling small pranks mm. to push the line even further, and still no marks. He realized he'd been conned. Yeah,
1: best he, he got fucking away?
0: had. Because what? he's a fucking psycho-religious <laughs> cunt.
1: That's probably bogus, man. He had to tell about all that. The mark. Your mother's an angel. Yeah, I am a sinner. A sinner yeah. You are special. Because he, he took that to the heart. Man, my mama's my mama, angel? And she took pity and had, yeah. had sex with him? <laughs> yeah. And that's why I'm fucked up. Mm. As a boy, it was
0: clear Hay was far more sensitive to others than his peers, especially sensitive to animals. He had a couple rabbits and a dog that replaced the friends he wasn't allowed to have. Mm. He would often pocket his food from the dinner table and feed it to the neighbor's dog through the fence. Even after he was eventually apprehended for his crimes, Hay maintained that he couldn't stand the suffering of others. Even those he killed, he never tormented. Nevertheless, it was clear John George valued animals over humanity. Mm. Sound like DMX. (laughs)
1: because i know i heard a couple of stories they said he liked dogs more than he liked people
0: he certainly didn't wasn't trucking with the dog fighting that's for sure oh no i
1: don't think he would go for that never r.i.p yeah
0: john george very rarely misbehaved but when he did get caught being naughty his mom would beat the back of his hands with the brussels end of a hairbrush Mm. this would draw blood which hay would lick which he later said gave him the craving for human blood. We'll get into it. He's supposedly vampiric.
1: We'll get get into it. Don't worry (laughs) about it.
0: (laughs) There's many miles to go before we sleep tonight. (laughs) You'd expect with such religious parents that the only child would be homeschooled. Mm -hmm. But nope, he went to public. Always came right home. He didn't even want to mingle with the kids he was forbidden to. He retreated to solidarity where he felt comfortable and also became a giant liar. To avoid distressing his parents and keeping everything copacetic, he developed the skill of anticipating what exactly his parents wanted to hear and saying it. He became quick-witted and clever.
1: I mean, we all kind of know what our parents want to hear, right?
0: That's kind of the point of being a kid. yeah Staying out of trouble by telling yeah. them what they want to hear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hay's
0: first love was music, and he learned to play piano and organ. He also joined the choir, which required him to attend services in an actual church in Wakefield, three miles away. Seeing structured, communal religion was a culture shock. He was used to a much stricter version that was anti-clerical. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, his parents' religion hated priests, reverends, or any other gatekeeper that would try and insert himself in the family's personal relationship with God. Mm-hmm. John George began living in two different worlds with fundamentally opposing beliefs. Kind of sounds like how tornadoes are made.
1: I'm surprised his parents that he would even let him go to something like that.
0: From ages 10 to 16, Hay participated in these services. He'd been raised to believe were sinful, and his parents allowed it, thinking he was only participating in the choir part. He really felt like he was getting away with something, and he loved it. Psychiatrists would later say that this was the sociopathic turning point for the boy. He loved Swimming in both... It's kind of like Barry. Uh, Barry's a fucking killer. Yeah. But he wants to have his other life as an actor, a normal life too. Yeah,
1: but he didn't want to kill no more neither though. Didn't he? Because he kept doing it. He kept doing it to get us, You right. You know what I mean? To get himself if you really out of sticky situations, situations but he was really... Because you knew you could just do it. Yep.
0: Hay also said the image of bloody Christ from the cathedral was bored into his mind. Mm-hmm. He'd meditate on it constantly and he said this was one of his initial cues for bloodlust. Upon graduation, Hay followed his love of British sports cars, taking an apprenticeship with a firm of motor engineers. Since the work was dirty, this didn't work for John George, <laughs> and he only made it about a year. He tried being a clerk for a while and also hated that.
1: I wonder what happened. Just boy will start squirting there when he just got up out of oh, I, I can't do take it. This. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't take yeah, this. Yeah. I can't take this anymore. I got go. go. He was like, dude, it's just a little bit of oil. Part of the job. Yeah.
0: You're a motor engineer. Hay
1: found pretty
0: quick success as a writer for an ad firm and insurance agency. He learned about high finance and then betrayed his country and his supposed love of British cars by buying a bright red Alfa Romeo. It's Italian. Mm. At the age of 21, Hay had a very minor brush with the law. The cash box from his firm had come up missing and Hay was the prime suspect. They didn't have proof, so he was let out of custody and no further punishment would come besides his termination. Yeah, for real. At this time, 1934 or somewhere very near, Hay must have become aware of the French trial of Maître Serre, who was a French lawyer that had devised a devious get-rich-quick scheme that involved murder, insurance, and the disposal of bodies in sulfuric acid. Damn. Saray insured a man who was dying and persuaded a female friend of his to legally marry the doomed man. She then took a healthy husband, Decoy, to the insurance physicals to assure them he wasn't a health risk and was a good bet for them to insure. Then, when the doomed man died, all three of them would get a fat payday. Mm. Unfortunately for the scammers, the Decoy husband blackmailed Saray, who ended up killing him and his real girlfriend then dissolve their bodies in a big metal tub of acid as well. Mm. If that was the end of it, Sarai would have gotten away with it, but he attempted the exact same scam with a new team mm-hmm. and for more money. He was caught and sentenced to death.
1: So he got he got away the first time with all the bread, and he killed his accomplices. The decoy husband, but not oh, the de- woman okay, okay. friend. Oh, okay, okay,
0: I got it. He killed the decoy husband and his real girlfriend, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And they got the money
0: then. So it was just him and the girl that got to split it did. all the bread.
1: It did. They tried to do it again with somebody else the same too?
0: Yep. With another sick guy and another decoy husband, and somehow it all came apart for him.
1: I'm like, Well, I could tell you, our dude is still fresh at this shit. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. He's still yeah. yeah. He's gonna fuck it up.
0: Oh yeah. You, he hasn't had time to mature. Yeah. You just
1: mm-hmm. keep going with the girl that you because she yeah.
0: That's it. Yeah. Hay believed he was much cleverer than that French prick, and he would certainly get away with it when he tried it. In 1934, Hay strayed from the family a bit and married a young woman who was a virtual stranger to him named Beatrice Hammer. She was 21, high-spirited, and independent as fuck. Mm -hmm. He was able to initially impress her with his manners and charm. When he asked for her hand, she immediately accepted. Mm. They kept their approaching nuptials a secret from their families. Soon, Betty would have second thoughts. Another guest at the hotel they were staying at overheard her saying, Oh God, I wish it to be anyone else. (laughs) The more she got to know him, the more she questioned his character and the actual source of where his money came from. However... Even with all that, she went through with it and married him mm-hmm. on July 6th.
1: Yeah, you pretty much don't have a stable job.
0: It's Very idiotic.
1: hmm I mean, yeah, I guess. Because I guess we, when it comes to marriages and shit, you definitely look for stability, I guess, right? And like a partner. Someone you, you're you good spending some time with. Yeah. But she, but it this was back in the day, too. They, they definitely listened to your dreams back then. Oh, certainly. Now they want to see that shit. Both sets of parents
0: deeply disapproved of the marriage, but the Hays let the couple live with them. The marriage lasted only four months, ending with John George getting arrested in October, and sent to prison.
1: Okay, she got well, off easy.
0: While serving his sentence, Betty gave birth to a baby girl and immediately gave it up for adoption. <laughs> Hay saw Betty only one more time to briefly tell her they were never actually married as he already had a wife. Man. This was a very strange lie that was never explained later. <laughs> he, he wasn't married. Yeah, he just wanted to make
1: her feel bad. He was legally married to Betty. Yeah. I guess he want not just make her feel bad, I guess. Or just get away for no... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with this dude.
0: Herschel, go on. Ask me about the offense that put Hay in prison.
1: What, What the fuck
0: did this dude do? Hay had read about another case in the papers and wanted to put it into practice. He had become a purchasing agent for a car dealership slash repair shop. Mm. Not only that, he put in an option to buy the dealership with the financially desperate owners. Mm. During this option period, the commission of anything sold or repaired was whacked up evenly among the partners, Mm. him included. Mm. Then, Hay would use the name of the business to obtain blank hire-slash-purchase forms on cars. He would then forge someone's handwriting that lived close to the dealership to create fake purchases of cars that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. The company advanced the funds to Hay, which he would sign and cash. He only got away with it for about three months before he was caught and sentenced to 15 months in prison. John George viewed prison as nothing but a quick setback to his new career, Mm -hmm. saying... When I discovered there were easier ways of making a living than working long hours at an office, mm-hmm. I didn't ask myself about right and wrong. That seemed irrelevant. I <laughs> merely said, this is what I wish to do. And as the means lay within my power, I grasped them. Mm. This was Hay's first real punishment, and it would do nothing to put him back on the righteous path. Soon, his own superiority complex would lead him straight deeper into the shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: While in prison, Hay was excommunicated from the peculiar people for his sins. He was absolutely shocked and gutted, and his mother told anyone that would listen that his excommunication had affected his outlook of the future for the worse.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is bogus. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, dude, you you drop him so as he do something bad? What happened oh, yeah. to forgiveness and shit, too?
0: Well, my dad got excommunicated from the Catholic Church for not uh, forcing my mom to convert from no. Lutheran. So they, a, they sent him a letter saying he wasn't welcome anymore. That's
1: bullshit, bro. Hell yeah. they I didn't, Honestly, I didn't think they did that anymore. I, I don't
0: think they do now. I think they'll do pretty much whatever you ask if you stay a Catholic. You know what I mean? Funny. After prison, John George returned home to his parents' place and went into the dry cleaning business. Mm. He actually made a hell of a good run at it until his partner <laughs> was killed in a motorcycle
1: accident. Oh, I thought it. Before you said motorcycle accident, I sure was thinking, like, damn, killed he killed him. too?
0: <laughs> the post-mortem liquidation of the business completely soured him. He was mm-hmm. disillusioned, and he left the comfort of his hometown for the hustle and bustle of London. Mm. Like, Hay should stop reading the paper, because it's only causing problems yeah. for everybody.
1: Well, that's how it's always been yeah. for him, yeah. through his pops. He'd bleed everything. Mm.
0: In the paper, Hay read about a job as a secretary-slash-chauffeur for an amusement park owner. Mm. He applied, and this opened a whole new chapter of life for John George. His boss was Mr. William Donald McSwan, nicknamed Mac, who was a young man on the rise? Hay never mentioned his past transgressions to his new boss. Well, would he? Mac introduced Hay to his parents, who immediately approved of him, and the two became fast friends. They both enjoyed zippy cars, flashy clothes, and taking in all the London nightlife has to offer. Mm. As John George continued to learn the business, Mac promoted him to manager. However, after just one year, he quit to go into business for himself. The McSwans were sad to see him go but also proud of him for recognizing that he needed to work for himself instead of others. Yeah, that's true. Well, Hay set up a fake solicitor's office (laughs) by using the name of a bigger firm and saying he had an estate to liquidate and some publicly traded shares in a big company that were priced to move. Since he was using a bigger firm's name and reputation, he found buyers for both that would pay up front. Of course, the goods were never delivered because they never existed, and Hay cashed the checks and moved on. He rinse-repeated the scheme in a few towns until, of course, the law would catch up with him. He was put away for four years. Okay, there we go. Within a year of getting out, he was back in prison for another 21 months for possession of stolen goods. While serving this sentence, he swore this would be his last trip behind bars. He wasn't going to turn his life around for the better, of course. He was going to target rich, older women. Mm. That's where the real payday will come. Okay. He also learned all about sulfuric acid, courtesy of his prison job in the tin shop. Mm. You can get a hell of an education in prison. Yeah, you can. Especially, he's a fucking doctor by now with the amount of time he's spent there. He's got an eight-year degree so far.
1: How did this dude only spend a year out of four years in prison? Didn't you say that?
0: No, he did a full 40. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I said within that year of being released, he got busted for 21 more months. What an idiot.
1: <laughs> with stolen goods, too. <laughs> he can't help that's himself. Double, that's double dumb. He really can't help himself. After you come out of do, you don't get caught with nothing. If you can't hurry up and get rid of it, if it, if it has to stay in your possession, you, you don't want to do it. If you just can't bob up and get it off, if you have to wait for your investment yeah. <laughs> to mature, yeah. that's not a good investment. No, not right now. You need a quick hit. Because in I and feel, out. Like, I feel like once you get out of prison, all eyes on you anyway. Just like Tupac. With with, and with anything, if you, even if you get a job and they know you, like, dude, your their eyes are gonna be on you. Anything go missing, it's on you. Absolutely. And that's prejudicial, but yeah, it is. But it is what it is. It is
0: what it is. Exactly. <laughs> other prisoners would provide John George with mice for his acid experiments. Hmm. He ran weeks-long studies on the effects of sulfuric acid interacting with animal tissues. If one were to have a sufficient amount of acid in a private place to do it, one could certainly scale up these experiments to dispose of a human just as easily as a mouse. Hmm. Upon release, Hay got a job with an engineering firm as an accountant. He lived for a Short time with his boss's family, the Stevensons. Mm-hmm. They had two daughters, the elder of which shared John George's deep love of music. And they developed a close friendship. As these things tend to do, talks started turning towards marriage, even though Hay was never officially divorced from his first wife. Right. And he was almost 20 years older than Barbara. Even still, they were BFFs, and Barbara Stevenson believed that one day she would make him an excellent wife. <laughs> In 1944, Hay suffered a terrible car accident, which left him with a head wound that bled down into his mouth, and subsequently down into his tummy. He said this reawakened his old fantasies about Bloody Jesus, and gave him new dreams that made him crave blood. He said, I saw before me a forest of crucifixes, which slowly turned to trees. At first, there appeared to be dew or raindrops falling from the branches, but as I approached, I realized it was blood. Suddenly, the whole forest began to writhe and the trees, stark and erect, to ooze with blood. Mm. A man started collecting blood from the trees and approached me, commanding me to drink.
1: (laughs) Like this fucking tree sap. Exactly. Tree sap blood, motherfucker. This
0: is like, his dream is like an Undertaker entrance. Yeah, what
1: the fuck is wrong with this dude? Fucking rad. This dude is...
0: This was the year he began to kill humans. John George rented a basement at 79 Gloucester Street. Okay, it's spelled G-L-O-U-C-E-S-T-E-R. So it should be like Gloucester, right? But these freaks over there on that little island, <laughs> they, they say stuff that's wrong all the time. So I'm pretty sure they would pronounce this Gloucester Street, mm-hmm. even though it's Gloucester Street.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Gloucester Street. <laughs> I like it, man. <laughs> go, go with your stereotypes.
0: <laughs> In this basement, he started amassing a collection of carboys of acid. Do you know what a carboy is? No. What is it? So it's like a regular bottle, but the bottom is really big. It's like five gallons. Mm. And then it comes up to just a little Oh, no, like I was thinking of
1: one of those uh, Hickley Springs. Oh, that would be great. Scenes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Oh, okay. But upside down instead of upside. Oh, okay, down. okay, yeah. okay, okay. That's basically. That's exactly it. They might as well call those carboys of water.
1: What do they call them? Jugs. I think jugs. Okay. Yeah, some big knockers
0: while slurping down a few pints at kensington's pub hay ran across his old boss mac mcswan was half cut and so delighted to see his old padawan that he invited hay back to the house to see the parents and have a home-cooked meal everyone was so happy to see john george and they told him all about the family's recent real estate moves that were netting them a tidy profit Mm -mm -mm. hay listened intently trying not to show how much he was foaming at the mouth. Yeah, a bit. <laughs> Mac and Hay began spending more and more time together, just like the old days. One day, Mac wrote a letter to Barbara Stevens for John George. It was the 6th of September, 1944, mm. and it would be the last day that Mac was seen alive. Damn. In Hay's diary, which was found later by police, there was a cross etched in red crayon on September 9th. This was either the day he killed or dissolved his old mentor, Mac. Hay claimed he had a sudden need for blood, so he bashed Mac over the head with either a table leg or a pipe he couldn't remember, and then he slit his throat. He said, I got a mug and took some blood spurtin' from his neck and drank it. The only thing Hay was missing was a container to melt the body in.
1: Mm. He
0: searched bomb sites around the neighborhood, found a 40-gallon barrel to put the body in. Getting Mac in the barrel was much harder than anticipated. Mac was a good deal taller than the five-foot-eight. Hey, he's pretty uh, fucking average. He got this. I wonder how about how did he to get this barrel back to the crib, to the basement? I think it was pretty easy. Like, yeah. post-war Britain, everything was destroyed, and people would just be walking around with stuff.
1: Oh, so it didn't look weird. It, it didn't, didn't look okay. weird.
0: Imagine a metropolitan city, but three-quarters of the buildings are in shambles and yeah. ruined because the Nazis dropped bombs all over your ass. John George started by removing Mac's valuables and clothing. Then he laid the barrel on its side and dragged the body over to it. This process took over an hour as the body had to be folded completely in half to fit Mm. in. Finally, with Mac in the now upright drum, John George put the clothes on top of the body and prepped the final step. He put on an apron and gloves and went to fill a bucket full of acid. This was a long and awkward process because he had to keep picking up the carboy, delicately pouring it into the bucket. That would be a tough process. Eventually, the fumes overtook Hay and he was forced to bail out for some fresh air. It would be hours before the whole body was submerged in the caustic liquid. Mm. The acid went in the barrel with Mac ice cold, but it turned intensely hot as it reacted with the body's Mm -hmm. moisture. John George put the lid on the drum, went home to pass out. While he rested, his former boss turned to sludge. Hay returned two days later to check on his experiment. Cracking the barrel open, it smelled as you'd imagine. Mm. Wonderful. No, absolutely brutal.
1: <laughs> like this limoncello. <laughs> it's
0: like a limoncello yeah. of LaCroix in here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was far more congealed than he'd expected. It was like black porridge with red streaks all over it. Hmm. Hay used a big wooden spoon to stir through and make sure he didn't run into anything solid. Mm-hmm. He used the acid bucket to scoop the mac soup down a large manhole-sized drain. To his complete dismay, there were large solid chunks stuck to the bottom of the barrel Damn. that he had to dig out and force down the drain.
1: Damn, so he still got a body kind of. Nonsense. Yep,
0: seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. God, he's such a fucking moron.
1: I gotta say, if that's the case, too, you should have just went and go pour some more acid in that shit. So, and
0: he didn't do his job very well. Once everything was down the drain, John George was flooded with euphoria. He'd killed someone, and nobody would ever be able to pin it to him. Nobody, no conviction, as he'd so often mm-hmm. say to former fellow inmates. Mm-hmm. Now it was time to claim Max's possessions. But wait, wouldn't Max's possessions go to his still-alive parents? First... Hay went to Mr. and Mrs. McSwan and told them their son had fled the country to avoid the draft. Since their son had brought that exact scenario up to them, they believed the trustworthy John George. Mm -hmm. Hay even sent fake postcards to the McSwans from Scotland. Then, the next phase of his plan kicked in. Hay was learning and evolving. He fashioned himself a tin mask to protect his face and lungs in the future from acid. Mm. He also bought a stirrup pump to transfer acid from the carboy to the drum... Way easier than pouring it into buckets. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the drum, he cut two of them in half and constructed the halves into a steel bathtub, which he painted with several layers of corrosion-proof lacquer. Two months later, the urge to try out his new toys was too strong. A middle-aged woman from Hammersmith was killed, never ID'd. Now that his system was perfect, he murdered Mac's parents, the people who loved him and believed in him even after he quit their company suddenly. He killed them both with the same pipe, drank a mug of their blood, and dissolved them in his new acid
1: bath. Yeah, yeah. He wanted to do that acid bath.
0: After July 2nd, 1945, the McSwan's simply disappeared. Hay told their landlady that they'd gone on to live in America. He rifled through the family files so he could learn all about them and answer any questions that might come up. He also had all of their mail forwarded to him, including their pensions. Then he sold off their properties. Damn. Later, he'd claimed that the father's blood wasn't enough to satisfy his craving, so he had to kill Mama Mac. However, the liquidation of properties and forwarding of Social Security certainly exposes the likely motive for his killings. Mm -hmm. Hay pretended to be his old pal Mac and forged documents granting him power of attorney. He sold a small property and netted a solid 1,720 pounds, which adjusted for inflation is $97,812. Now that he knew he could do it, he sold the rest of the property and possessions and gained an additional $341,206, adjusted for inflation. Mm. Their disappearance was never questioned or reported and wasn't even noticed until John George's full confession in 1949. Crazy. He had everyone who cared convinced that they'd just picked up and moved to America.
1: Hmm. Nobody really cared about them. Hay
0: then moved into room 404 at the Onslow Court Hotel in Kensington, a monthly high-end hotel that mostly catered to rich older widows. He pretended to be a middleman between patent holders, investors, and engineering firms. Mm. He said his firm, the fictitious Union Engineering Group, had branches in four towns across UK. John George, the eternal parasite, blew through all that money within two years. So he started staking out a potential quick cash influx. An ad in the paper selling a house got John George in contact with Dr. Archibald Henderson, 52, and his wife, Rose Henderson, 41. That make you want to stop putting your business in the newspaper. Fuck the newspaper. Fuck Facebook. I'm serious. That's uh, the same thing today. It is. Hay offered well above the asking price for the house, but could never come up with the money, so the deal fell through. Mm -hmm. Of course, John George never intended on buying the house. He just wanted a way to tangle himself up in the Henderson's lives. He kept seeing them, developing a nice friendship based on mutual love of music, Mm -hmm. but they weren't the type of people Hay usually approved of, because they drank hard lived lavishly, and traveled all over the place.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Rose had even been married before and divorced. This made John George sick. (sighs) But gee, oh boy, did he love their money. He -hmm. encouraged a couple to talk about themselves and drink, in so doing learning all of their habits and all about their property. Hay claims he often played piano for Archibald and Rose and performed several other acts of kindness. Mm -hmm. This lasted for five months. During these months, John George rented a storehouse on Leopold Road in Crawley from a company called Hustley Products. He moved all his equipment over from the basement at 79 Gloucester. On December 22, 1947, he ordered three more carboys of acid. In February 48, Hay stayed with the Hendersons for several days, during which he claims he had another blood dream cycle. Conveniently enough, this cycle started as his debts were growing critical. <laughs> On February 12th, John George drove Dr. Henderson to show off his new warehouse. Hayes shot the doctor in the head with his own gun, which Hay had stolen earlier that day. He left Archibald in the storeroom and got his gas mask. He drove to tell Rose that her husband had fallen gravely ill, and she needed to come with him to the hospital quick. Mm. When they pulled up to the warehouse, Rose was pissed they weren't going straight to Archibald. Mm. Hay said, Hey, calm down. I just need some help carrying a few of Archibald's things from inside. Once she crossed the threshold, John George put the revolver to her skull and squeezed the trigger. He hogtied the husband and wife's corpses and exsanguinated them, getting his drink. (laughs) Getting his drink. He dissolved the couple in his acid bath. Dr. Henderson's foot was still intact, but Haye dumped the congealed sludge along with the foot in the corner of the trash-strewn yard, not even bothering to take care of such obvious evidence, as he felt immune to capture. Mmm... Hay went to the hotel the Hendersons were staying at and showed a forged letter of authority from Doctor Henderson. Hay paid the bill, collected the possessions from the room, including the couple's Irish setter, and went about selling the possessions and the car.
1: What's the what's Irish setter?
0: He kept the dog in his hotel room.
1: Dog. Oh, that's, that's it. Dog. <laughs> I did not know what the fuck that was. <laughs> Irish setter, though. It's probably one of those with the little. Don't even guess. Bam. I don't I'll know. look it up. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Hay sold off the Henderson's house to a stranger, and he sold Rose's clothes to his old sweetie, Barbara Stevenson. He also sold a handbag to a Mrs. Olive Duran Deacon, a woman who he'd spent a lot of time with at the hotel. Mm. She had an idea for artificial fingernails she was trying to schedule a meeting with Hay to talk about. All said and done, the Hendersons netted John George $413,152 adjusted for inflation. Damn. He wrote to acquaintances of the couple, forging Rose's handwriting and even writing out 15 pages to her brother, which calmed him down enough not to go to the police. Hay explained in the letters, as Rose, that she and the doctor had decided to emigrate to South Africa. Rose's brother Arnold was very worried still, especially because she never provided an exact address in South Africa. Right. When Arnold wrote again, saying he was going to the police just to feel better about himself... Hay wrote that Dr. Archibald had performed an illegal abortion and he was a wanted man in England. Although Arnold was a shrewd businessman, this was finally a sufficient enough explanation to stop him from going to the police.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hay would once again say his thirst for blood was the motivator for the Hendersons, but it wasn't. It was purely financial. In June 1948, John George claimed his car was stolen. The luxury British Lagonda was found smashed at the foot of a cliff. Mm-hmm. Less than a month later, an unidentified female body was found in the same area, but police considered this an unrelated coincidence. Later, Hay would absolutely deny doing either of the things. Mm -hmm. However, he did show the wreck to Barbara Stevenson and aroused her suspicions when he told her not to mention it to anyone. Also, several people remember Hay saying he was tired of the car and wished someone would just steal it. Mm. he was well insured either way and used the payout to get himself a brand new jaguar coupe Ooh. by the end of the year he'd gone through all of the four he he'd stolen from the hendersons and was once again in debt he blew through most of his money gambling one day while browsing through the paper he saw an obit for the father of a former schoolmate of his Hay wrote a letter to the widow asking if he could come pay a visit She thought it was just so sweet that he'd think of her after all these years, but she passed away before he could visit. Mm. No doubt he was going to kill and financially ruin her. John George went around inviting several wealthy people out to his factory in Crawley, but got no takers. He was getting desperate. He owed money to the hotel and had borrowed enough to cover it, but now that loan was due in five days. Perfect time to finally take that meeting about artificial nails with <laughs> Mrs. Olive Durand-Deacon. For real. Since he was a middleman for inventors and engineers, she agreed to meet him at Leopold Road Workshop on February 18th, 1949. Once she crossed the threshold, John George, of course, shot her through the head. Hay then stripped her of her valuables, including her Persian lamb coat, and put her into the acid bath. He kept the coat. Mm. Two days later, Olive's close friend Constance Lane reported her missing. There's a first. Thank you, somebody. Mm -hmm. A photo and description of Olive was released to all departments, the press, and hotel staff. Sergeant Lamborn interrogated the manager, who gave an unfavorable description of Hay, as well as showing Lamborn the outstanding bill. Right. The inspector found it strange that this middle-aged man was living amongst and associated most with wealthy, old, blue-haired ladies, so he ran a background check. Within an hour, Scotland Yard reported back that according to Criminal Records Office, Hay had been arrested several times for swindling and had done three separate stints in prison for conspiracy to defraud, obtaining money by false pretenses, and theft. Mm -hmm. He was immediately placed under suspicion. Absolutely should be swindling. Hay tried being helpful in interviews with reporters. He was kind of handsome, so with his bright blue eyes, polished manner, and snazzy dress, he made a good impression with them. Even as he was doing his PR at the hotel, police were having a look at his place of business. Hursley Products in Crawley. Hay claimed to be the director of Hursley. but that was proven to be a fabrication. He'd only rented the building from Hursley. He had no affiliation with the actual company whatsoever. He recently told the manager for Hursley that rented him this place that he should probably stay away as he had a big conversion
1: job to do. Herschel... What is a conversion job? Pretty much putting these motherfuckers in uh, acid baths. Exactly. (laughs) Conversion
0: work is uh, very common in the metal industry and involved breaking down materials in strong acid. Uh People willing to work in that job could make a pretty penny as it was very dangerous. Hmm. Well, he was converting something using strong Mm -hmm. acid, but not, uh, not your usual kind. Hell no. Detectives forced their way into the workshop. They found tools, trays, wires, cotton... Mm -hmm. But then they found three carboys of acid. One empty, one full, one half. Nearby was a newish stirrup pump and an apron that had chemical burns. There were also rubber boots, gloves, and his gas mask.
1: Not unusual, right? Not if you're doing conversion work. That's fine.
0: The police team found a hat box and attache case that bore the initials JGH. John George Hay. Papers recovered in the warehouse belonged to people named Dr. Archibald Henderson, Mm. Rose Henderson, and three people with the last name McSwan. Damn. There was a marriage certificate, several passports, IDs, and licenses. Deep in the hat box was a recently fired Enfield
1: 38 and several rounds of ammunition. Damn, they got them. Woohoo, you would think so, huh? Again, this is somebody else's law, but here you're not supposed to be found with all that. I would think not. You know, I- IDs and passports of people, no. That are missing? Yeah. Soon, a cleaner's
0: receipt was uncovered for a Persian lamb coat. They traced it back to one owned by Olive Duran Deacon. In her hotel room, they even found patches of material in a work basket that matched it 100%. Mm. That was all sent out to forensics. The papers put it out that police were looking for help in this case. And that brought forward Mr. Bull of Horsham. He was a pawn shop owner. Someone named Jay McLean had brought jewelry to the shop to sell the day after Olive had gone missing. Mr. Bull held on to the jewelry instead of putting it out, as the guy seemed really off. Later, it would turn out it was Olive's jewelry, and Mr. Bull positively ID'd the photo of John George Hay as the fictitious Jay McLean.
1: That's pretty honorable for a pawn shop owner. To bro. say,
0: whoa, this guy's a scuzzbag. Maybe yeah. maybe this is ill-gotten goods.
1: Yeah, let me give him some money for it and not recoup my money. <laughs> exactly.
0: In case something comes yeah,
1: up. Yeah, because I didn't think that happens, to be honest with you. Well, now that's what they do, but... Yeah, I think now they have the whole pawn shop unit, right? Yeah. Then they get your ID at the pawn shop, too, so...
0: Hay was immediately arrested. And when Detective Webb approached Hay to tell him to come along, he said, Certainly, I'd do anything to help you out, as you know. Hay seemed detached and disinterested as he was brought to the Chelsea police station. He smoked cigarettes, read the paper, and fell asleep. Police were doing two things by keeping him waiting and telling him nothing, hoping to make him sweat and prepping their questions and strategy. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the brother of Rose Henderson, Arnold, called in to report that Hay had been the last person to see his sister and brother-in-law. Hay started lying about the pawn shop. He assumed the police would never make anything stick, no body, no conviction after all, so he spoke freely. From the nature of the questions, Hay realized the police had at least Mm -hmm. some evidence against him. After a short while, he gave in and told investigators he knew the jewelry and coat belonged to Olive Durand Deacon. So now that he's admitted to that, the police asked how he'd received that property and if he knew the current whereabouts of Olive. Hay laid all his cards on the table and said, if I told you the truth, it would be beyond belief for you. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you. Right. Mrs. Durand Deacon no longer exists. She has disappeared and no trace of her could ever be found. I have destroyed her with acid. You'll find sludge at Leopold Road, but how can you prove murder with no body? Well, in prison years before, he'd convinced himself that if there is no corpse, there can be no conviction. Mm-hmm. It's a bastardization of a legal term called corpus delecti. He talked about it so fucking much in prison. Everybody called him Old Corpus Delecti. <laughs> That's
1: stupid. <laughs> Ol Corpus Delecti. Because that shit. Like, well, you <laughs> gonna get popped? Oh, fuck yeah. There's circumstantial this, yeah. evidence. Yeah, bro.
0: The possessions is whatnot. Oh, just as John George said in his first line, Detective Webb did not believe it. But as they looked into his criminal past, it was possible that he did this and the motivation would be purely financial. However, he had not taken into account the weight of circumstantial evidence, even without a body that can be used to prove the overwhelming probability of guilt. He had already offered a confession, which in itself went a long way toward helping the police prove their case. Mm -hmm. They only needed some corroborating evidence. They had Mrs. Duran Deacon's coat and jewelry. It was time to find out if they could recover any
1: evidence from the sludge. Yeah, they would. They're going to recover some shit. I mean, not enough, but... I mean, it's enough. Do some DNA on. Ooh, there's enough. Yeah. There's no DNA.
0: That doesn't exist yet. Oh, I mean, it does, but they don't n- know about yeah, it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So me. No, it's not your fault. 1940-something. Eight. eight. Are we at an eight now? 1948.
0: forty-eight. Nine. Hay was once again cautioned not to speak, but he went on to offer a full description of what he had done to Mrs. Duran Deacon. He dictated a statement that took two and a half hours to write. He claimed that as she was examining some paper to use for artificial fingernails, he had shot her in the back of the head. He then went to his car, fetched a pen knife and a glass, and used these items to drain blood from the victim so he could have a drink. He put the body in a 45-gallon oil drum with some acid and let it go into effect. Mm. The crime had brought him about 111 pounds, which today is like a $1,000. So he didn't do very well on this one. Mm-mm. He went further to state that he had killed five more people dissolved them in acid to dispose of them and actually drank their blood. He had filled a glass full after each one and consumed it. He had an overwhelming need for it, he claimed, and that was why he killed. He described his dream cycle, of course.
1: hmm <laughs> Of course. <laughs> well, and, you gotta do that. <laughs> and what he did, he implied he had absolutely no control over. Mm, and that's why you say drinking blood. He wasn't. Do you really think you don't really I think, think he, he was drinking? Oh, okay. I think he drank it. Okay. Sure. Okay.
0: Okay. But I think that was just to back up his bullshit.
1: Mm-hmm. What he really wanted to do was just take the bread. If he couldn't drink the blood, he was fine with that. Exactly. Hay claimed to have killed
0: nine people, but nothing was ever discovered about three of them, except for the unidentified body near Hayes' crash car at the cliff, which he denied. He still. Yeah. I mean, he denies a lot of them, but he says nine. So, either that's one of them or there's
1: another one that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And it was, and, and, but the, the body they found wasn't dissolved, though. Right. It was just killed and dead there, yeah. So, uh eh.
0: That's what I mean. It's not his M.O. Mm-hmm. He wants to make him disappear. He's old corpus delecti. He's mm-hmm. not old corpus yeah, leave would, on the floor. That he, would
1: go against what he does. It's his
0: It would go against his principles. Yeah. His whole fucking twisted idea of how the legal system works. <sighs> In the yard outside the storehouse, police found the acid sludge that Hay had described. They also noted a lot of zigzagging marks from where someone had rolled and dragged something heavy over toward that area. The ground was covered in debris, and the sludge was mixed up with dirt and trash. Its depth was some three to four inches, covering an area of four to six feet. The doctor's practiced eye detected something unusual. About the size of a cherry, which to anyone else might look like one of the stones lying around. Mm-hmm. However, it was a significant find. It was a gallbladder stone. Damn. The acid hadn't dissolved it. Also embedded in the greasy undissolved fat were some good specimens of human bones. One of these appeared to be from a left foot. Remember, he'd never destroyed that left foot.
1: Yeah, Come back to Hano.
0: The forensic team gathered 475 pounds of grease and earth to cart back to a lab for examination. They also brought in a 40-gallon green drum that had the same greasy substance inside. At the bottom of this drum, a hairpin was stuck in the grease. Mm. Inside the building, a fine splatter of bloodstains was noted on the wall, carefully photographed. The wall was then scraped for further analysis. The inspector thought the spray was consistent with someone getting shot while bent over the bench, Mm. possibly looking at paper, as Hay had described Durand Deacon doing. Tests indicated that the blood was human, but it couldn't be specifically Mm. grouped. Mm, But they still got it. For three days, the sludge was carefully sifted, and technicians had to wear rubber gloves and cover their arms in Vaseline to protect themselves from acid. The painstaking search paid off. What they found was 28 pounds of human body fat, Three faceted gallstones, part of a left foot, 18 fragments of human bone, mm. intact upper and lower dentures, damn the handle of a red plastic bag, and a lipstick container.
1: Them dentures, though, gotta be good, right? Fuck
0: well, yes. Even back then, right? A further test on the gallstones proved that it was human. The bone fragments were identified as an ankle pivot, center of the right foot, right heel, right angle pivot bone, femur, pelvic bone, spinal column, and others too eroded for precise ID. Mm -hmm. They had been dissolved in sulfuric acid just as Hay had described. The investigators' great luck lay in the fact that sulfuric acid did not work on plastic as it did on human tissue. Uh, It would take at least three weeks for the acid to finally eliminate it. hmm. Thus, if Hay had been arrested later or had chosen to wait with his confession, the forensic team would have had much less success in finding identifiable evidence. The dentures were an important find. The team could now go to Mrs. Durand Deacon's dentist to Hmm. see if they matched. Mrs. Durand-Deacon's gum shrinkage problems had sent her to the dentist, Helen Mayo, on many occasions. Mayo kept a cast of her patient's upper and lower jaw. She knew that she had supplied Mrs. Durand-Deacon with these very dentures. Interesting. Within a month of Hay's arrest, the prosecution was ready for trial. Hay's trial was held at Luz Acesis, which is a prison. Hay pleaded insanity, claiming that he drunk the blood of his victims. <laughs> he said he had dreams dominated by blood as a young boy. When he was involved in a car accident, it went all the way down his mouth, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. He was just being a bitch. Talks about his bloody forest and the man that makes him drink blood again. The Attorney General, Sir Hartley Shawcross K.C., later Lord Shawcross, he got himself a fucking lordship, lordship. out of this, <laughs> led the prosecution and urged the jury to reject Hayes' defense of insanity because he had acted with malice aforethought. Mm-hmm. Sir David Maxwell Fife Casey, defending, called many witnesses to attest to Hay's mental state, including Henry Yellow Lease, who claimed Hay had a paranoid constitution, adding, The absolute callous, cheerful, bland, and almost friendly indifference of the accused to the crimes which he freely admits him committing, is unique in my experience. This is unique. <laughs> you stupid. Hay <laughs> hey apparently had believed mistakenly that uh, if the bodies of his victims could not be found, a murder conviction would
1: not be possible. So he talking the same shit too. Old
0: corpus delicti. Yeah. <laughs> it took only minutes for the jury to find him guilty. Yeah, bro. Mr. Justice Travers Humphreys sentenced him to die on 10 August 1949. Hay mm-hmm. hey had himself a brandy. Just before being hanged by executioner Damn. Albert Pierpoint. Man, they
1: hung that motherfucker.
0: They hung that bitch quickly. It didn't yeah. take long. Yeah, yeah, they that's... said, you, sir, are sentenced to die. Uh-huh. And then a month yeah. later, he was swinging in the yeah. gallows.
1: And they weren't playing. Not they, like here. Yeah, yeah they, they they pussyfoot around. Well, Scott it, Peterson's still uh, alive. Uh, politi- Actually, he got commuted. With I politics. Politics. Oh, man, God, it's crazy. Herschel, that's the
0: story of the acid bath murderer. Yeah,
1: he got caught because. John George Hay. He got caught because all that shit was money motivated. All Once you it. draw that conclusion, yeah, it's over with. And he thought he was being slick, but no, he, he was wasn't. being lazy. Mm-hmm. He was just
0: dumping the sludge in his backyard.
1: Man, if this motherfucker put as much as just starting his own shit like, and not trying to defraud everybody, he'll probably be on top of the Billionaire. world. Billionaire. Yeah, Elon right. Musk's Yeah. Yeah, Bezos. Yeah, yeah. there you go. No. This dude, but he didn't. He wanted to just defraud and read the paper and...
0: That's all he wanted to do was defraud and read the motherfucking paper mm-hmm. and think of ways to defraud people.
1: That's fucking horrible. He says fucking, that's fucking. That's horrible. fucking brutal.
0: <laughs> well, listen up, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening yeah. to another episode of the Bumblebutt Podcast.
1: X, X X X.
0: My name is Ben Adam. A bomb. Ben H bomb. And Herschel's going to his boys' baseball game, so yeah. we're gonna get the fuck out of here. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot you for sir. hanging out. Bye. Bye. <laughs>